Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. I recall once hearing a story about a news outlet that was so tired of sharing all the bad news in the world that they actually decided they were only going to share good news. Heartfelt stories about people doing amazing things, great causes and efforts to make the world a better place. And people were very excited and they supported the idea. And after six weeks, their ratings tanked. They went down so far, they had to go back to what they did before or risk shutting down. There's a lot of bad news in the world. At least it seems that way because that is what we see in the media day in and day out. And we gravitate toward it for some reason. Like when there's a car chase on TV, it is a terrible and dangerous thing, yet everyone is watching on the edge of their seat, right? Maybe we gravitate toward bad news because it makes us feel better. It makes our lives sound like good news. But the good news that that outlet was trying to share, it wasn't the good news that we're looking for. You know, good news is what we really want to share, what we're really looking for, isn't it? Like when something good happens in your life, you want to tell everyone. There is a whole business around announcing good news, right? Graduation announcements, engagement announcements, wedding announcements, pregnancy announcements, birth announcements, all of them sent out to family and friends to share the joy of what has happened. Look at Instagram. Everyone is constantly trying to filter their lives to be a constant feed of good news because that is what we're really hungry for. But often the news we present to others is not always true or the whole story. And the good news we see somewhere else isn't necessarily the ultimate good, good news we're looking for. The good news we are really looking for is always good and always true. It is the gospel message. You know, the word gospel comes from the old English words good, meaning good, and spell, meaning news. So gospel literally means good news. And gospel is actually a translation of the Greek word 
euangelion, which also means good news, and it's where we get the English words evangelize or evangelization, which are words that we use to talk about sharing the good news or sharing the gospel. Euangelion was actually a word um, in, in Greek originally associated with the announcing of victory in a battle. So someone would run back from the battlefield and announce the good news of victory in battle to their home city and all the places in between. Christians adopted that term as a way of describing how we share the good news of Christ's victory over sin and death. That's what it means to evangelize, to share the gospel message. Now, there are four books in the Bible called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which makes this word a little confusing. So, when we say sharing the Gospel, it's not simply giving someone a copy of the four biblical Gospels or reading it to them. Rather, the four Gospels are four written accounts of the good news of Jesus Christ. So, when we share the Gospel, the good news, we are sharing the central message of salvation through Jesus Christ, just like the Gospel writers did but we do it in our own way. We can quote them, but that central message is what we mean when we say share the gospel or the good news. And if you've never heard it proclaimed or spelled out before, what the gospel message is, it's this. In five simple statements, first, God loves you. He created you out of love to be in relationship with him, and he has a plan for your life. Secondly, sin separates us from God, and the consequences of sin are death and destruction. Thirdly, the good news is that God became man. Jesus died on, for our sins on the cross and rose from the dead for our salvation. Fourthly, we can receive the gift of this salvation and the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus, when we repent of our sins, when we're baptized, and when we become his disciples. And lastly, Jesus established the Catholic Church to teach in his name, to empower us by his grace and restore us to salvation if we fall. That is the central message of our faith. It is the entire point of the Bible. It's the entire reason for the church's existence. As members of the church, especially if you're baptized or confirmed, our role as disciples of Jesus Christ is to spread this message to the ends of the earth, to every single person we know and encounter. This command actually comes straight from Jesus himself. He says at the very end of Matthew's gospel, which I've quoted many times before, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. When we carry out that mission, we're evangelizing. Evangelization, sharing the good news, is the mission of every single Christian. The Catechism says this, God wills the salvation of everyone through the knowledge of the truth. Salvation is found in the truth. Those who obey the prompting of the Spirit of truth are already on the way of salvation. But the church, to whom this truth has been entrusted, must go out to meet their desire so as to bring them the truth. Because she believes in God's universal plan of salvation, the church must be missionary. Now, it should come as no surprise that this is part of the responsibility of a follower of Jesus, to go out, to be on mission wherever we are. I think the hard part is learning how to do that in a way that is not too passive or too forceful. Because you may feel like, you know, uh, people can believe what they want to believe, or we should respect everyone's beliefs as valid and true, and I don't want to shove my beliefs down anyone's throat. 
First of all, no one is asking you to do that. Uh, but it's not a reason to not share the truth. It's simply a recognition that there is a wrong way to do it. But we cannot be passive about it just because it's hard. We also can't be too forceful. We can't yell at people, judge or condemn them, scare them with the threat of hell to get them to believe. Yes, hell is real, but proclaiming the truth with love is the way Jesus did it and the way that we are called to follow. So think of it this way. Think of evangelization like a surgeon performing surgery. You give a surgeon three tools. You give him a feather, a scalpel, and a saw. Which one is he going to use? Well, they'll choose the scalpel because it's the tool for the job. But even if they didn't know that, they would learn by trial and error because you can't use the feather because it won't do anything. And the saw will do too much. Evangelizing well is about sharing the gospel in the right way based on the situation. You may feel very scared or unequipped or intimidated to do that. And you're right, on your own, on our own, we can't do this. It is only through the Holy Spirit, only through the Holy Spirit, that we can be witnesses. The same thing was true for the apostles. Jesus gave them that mission to spread the gospel. But then he tells them to wait because they're not ready yet. He tells them that they need the Spirit. He says this, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Once the apostles have the Holy Spirit, they go from people who have no idea what to do, who are afraid and hiding, to people who are willing to boldly proclaim the message of Jesus to anyone, even to the people who killed Jesus. Peter looks that group in the eye and says, it is impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard. That is boldness. And that is our mission because that is what Jesus commanded. You know, I told you the story in episode 8 of Pendulette of Penn and Teller, the atheist who's a magician. And he essentially said, if you're a Christian and you believe heaven and hell are real, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? In fact, Jesus warns against those who do not share his gospel with others. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says this, Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. That's a hard pill to swallow. So hopefully you understand the gravity of this responsibility. If you are baptized, and especially if you are confirmed, this is your mission. So the question really is, how? How do we do that? So first, the best story that you can tell is your own. That is called a testimony. A testimony is a short statement about how Jesus has changed your life that you can share with others to invite them to do the same or to answer the question, why are you Catholic, if anyone ever asks you that. So think about your testimony, and I would even encourage you to write it out. And an easy way that you can do this is what I call the four-sentence testimony. First, you have to think of a definitive moment in your life when you realized God was real, when you had a turning point of faith or transformation in your life. That is the center of your testimony. Now, it doesn't have to be this big radical transformation, but maybe it's a time in your life where you just took ownership or you just kind of realized, yeah, this faith is mine. Or maybe God brought you through a really transformational process. Whatever that is, pick a definitive moment. And then you just complete the following sentences in your own words. I used to be, talk about how you were before that moment. Then Jesus, talk about that moment and what God did in your life. Now I am, talk about how you are now as a result of that. 
And then I tell you this because, which you can sometimes add, depending on if you're being asked or if you're sharing. If someone asks you, you don't need to tell them why you're telling them. But if you just want to share your testimony with someone, you say, I tell you this because, and you know, give them a challenge or invite them to something. Invite them to consider what you have said. That's the simple four-word testimony. You can change, or four-sentence testimony. You can change up how you say it, but the message is still the same. I was this way, then I encountered Jesus, now I am this way, and I want to share that with you in the hopes that you'll experience it too. The great thing about a testimony is that no one can refute it. It's your own experience. You're not presenting an argument. You're not quoting the Bible or starting a debate. You're telling your story. The story you know best, just like the four gospel writers did 2,000 years ago. So number one, share your testimony. Secondly, I invite you to, if you're in these evangelizing conversations, ask questions. A lot of times we are afraid to talk about our faith because we're afraid we'll get questions we don't have the answers to, or that will look stupid, or that we don't know what we believe, or we don't know how to articulate it. And that's not true. Some of us just maybe don't think on our feet as well as others. But I just invite you, no matter what the circumstance, just do what Jesus did. Ask a lot of questions and listen. Jesus almost always answered questions with questions of his own. So ask others, well, why do you believe that? Or why are you asking me that question? I just kind of want to know your background with this issue or this question. Where did you hear that? Where is that in the Bible or in the catechism? And really listen. Don't ask in a condescending way. Ask to really understand where the other person is coming from. Then figure out where you agree and have a common ground and then build from there. As it says in scripture, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence. Evangelization should not be approached as if I have this great truth and you need to hear it because you're a terrible sinner that I have to save. No, if we do that, then we're just going to go into situations talking and teaching. But that is not what it is about. In fact, my favorite definition of evangelization is one person showing another starving person where the bread is. One starving person showing another starving person where the bread is. Evangelization is a recognition that we are all sinners and Jesus dwells in all of us. So we ask questions to help others recognize the presence of God already within themselves. And it's a blessing for us because every person you meet has something to teach you. Every person you evangelize can reveal God to you in a different way. So evangelization is not about teaching. It's about learning and listening together and then sharing that central message through your testimony, through asking questions. And then lastly, I encourage you to live your faith out loud in actions and in words. So when it comes to actions, if you were accused in a court of law of being a Catholic, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there enough going on in your life, not just for show, but do you really do the things that look like the routine of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or think of it this way, if everyone you've ever made contact with, from your barista to your boss, found out that you were a disciple of Jesus Christ, would they be surprised? Or would they say, oh, that makes sense? I just want to encourage you to think about those questions and not be afraid to be bold and unapologetically visible in living out your faith. We don't want to do it in a condescending or an offensive way, but we have the freedom to do that. 
Feel free, if you're having a meal in public, make the sign of the cross in public before your meals. I sometimes do it when I'm sitting with friends, and I'll just do it mid-conversation, just to show like I'm consecrating this meal and thanking God for the gift he's given me. But I don't have to stop all conversation and say, okay, everyone, please honor my beliefs. But I can still honor them myself and be a witness to other people. And it's started many conversations over the years. You can pray with and for others. Maybe someone will start to see that you're being visible in your faith. They'll ask you for prayer. To do that with them, to be comfortable doing that. Maybe wear a cross or a scapular. Have a visible sign of the life that you profess to lead. If you're on social media in your profile or in your email signature, if you can, or on your phone computer or a phone background or computer background, have images or verses that share truth or remind you of the beauty of your faith. Be kind. You know, it's so rare for people in our world to be authentically kind without an ulterior motive. It says in Scripture, strive for peace with everyone and for that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that leads to one of my favorite actions that you can do to live out your faith is smile. Do you act like the God of the universe loves you, created you, and animates your life? And actually studies show when you smile more, it actually improves your mood. Try not to complain or gossip or cut down others. Always try and build others up and focus on the good. Bring joy to different situations and live your faith out loud in action. But it's not just about actions. It's also about words. In fact, there is a quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. You've probably heard it many times. It goes, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. The problem is he never actually said it. In fact, he never would have said it because he was an excellent preacher. We have to be willing to talk about our faith. It's not enough to simply be a good person. That's not what Jesus asked of us. To truly follow him requires more. So to do it well, we have to continue to learn. We have to continue to stay rooted in our own relationship with God before we can share with others. You can't pour anything into someone else's cup if yours is empty. So stay filled and faithful through your own daily prayer, making sure you receive the sacraments, reading scripture, and learning about your faith in like-minded community. We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot preach the truth if we're not constantly knowing it and learning it. We cannot maintain that faith and that relationship with God on our own. We have to have a community to learn about it with in order to properly share it with others. When you live out your faith in these ways, in word, and in action, you'll probably just get into conversations or you'll get questions from others. And when you do, ask questions and share your testimony, your unique experience and expression of the gospel message. It won't be easy. It won't go perfectly every time. But the more you do it, the more you learn what works and what doesn't. God is calling us not to do it perfectly, but he's calling us to do it faithfully. So I invite you to consider now a few questions. What is your story? Who in your life needs to hear it? And what of those list of actions and words, what is one practical thing you can do to better live your faith out loud this week? As it says in the gospel according to Matthew, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all the
the house. Just so, your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. So go be salt to a world that has lost its flavor. Go be light to those who are lost in darkness. Go be a disciple and share the good news with others so that they will be disciples too. You may be the only Catholic they ever meet, the only Bible they ever read, the only disciple they ever encounter. So it's up to you. It's up to all of us. Have the faith to answer God's call and trust that he will be with you and give you the gifts that you need to do it well. It's not about us. It's about him. Ready? Set? Go. Go.